0: My Colorado swag. cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to aid, and when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly deal boss with my Colorado, swag.
1: my Colorado swag. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs Podcast presented by Colorado Rugby. I'm Henry Chisholm, and um we have a lot to talk about. Uh Tyson Summers is no longer Colorado's defensive coordinator. Um, ESPN's Adam Rittenberg reported that. Um, I believe that Bruce Feldman has reported it. And uh, the Daily Camera's own Brian Howell just confirmed it. Um, So, safe to say, the news is real. I have a a whole bunch of thoughts. Um, We're still, like, obviously very early in all this, so I don't have, like, a big list of candidates right now. But I promise you there will be some going forward. Today though, we're going to talk about all all about the firing, why it could have happened, um just kind of like reactions, is it a good thing, is it a bad thing? Um and then um hopefully we'll have another podcast, who knows. Maybe even today if there's big news today talking about uh what's going on. Um so that's kind of the plan. But before we execute that plan, I want to tell you guys a little bit more about Colorado rugby. Um, You guys have probably heard me tell you that there are a whole bunch of really cool things happening in the Colorado rugby space um infinity park uh right here in glendale colorado is known as rugby town usa in fact the facility was recently designated the rugby town national training center which is home of the usa eagles men's and women's rugby 15s teams there's a whole bunch of really cool things happening over there including a new concept which is basically like cross training athletes to become rugby players, um, a whole bunch of former college football players, like Power Five guys, you know, AAF guys, XFL guys, who've decided, like, you know, they aren't going to make it at football. Why not go try out rugby? And that's kind of American Rugby's strategy to start competing at at a higher level internationally, and all of that's starting right here, um, like, basically in Cherry Creek, which is pretty cool. Um, There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Uh, You can follow the DMVR Rugby account to learn more. Uh, Colton Strickler, our rugby reporter, has a weekly rugby podcast. He's writing stuff on the website, too, so stay tuned to all that because there's a lot of cool stuff going on rugby-wise in Colorado as well. Okay, um... So, I'm kind of surprised, (laughs) and we'll start there. Um, The timing. The timing is one thing that kind of throws me off. I believe that the Alamo Bowl was a Tuesday, which means today is basically like three weeks since that Tuesday. Because today is Tuesday. And that seems like quite a while to be mulling over something like firing your defensive coordinator. Um, Typically you see those changes made pretty quickly after the season ends. And that's obviously for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's just like a nice thing to do for the guy you're firing to say, hey, a whole bunch of the coaching jobs are going to get filled in these next couple of weeks. Go be a part of that process. Go find yourself a new home. Um, You know, for for every new head coach that's hired – they typically need at least one coordinator that they need to hire. And t- typically, more than that, they want to build their own staff. Um, so, was it doing right by Tyson Summers? I, I I cannot say yes or no. And we don't know the circumstances, you know. We're not going to, like, speculate about uh, anything other than what happened on the football field today. Um, but the truth is, what happened on the football field, for the most part, was really good. But in that Texas game, was not good. And in the Utah game, when you had a chance to really elevate your status, without Nate Lamb and Tyson Summers couldn't get it done. And that's probably something that Carl Durrell would point to um, in this decision. Um, To me, I've thought that Tyson Summers has done a very good job. Um, I think that the defense that he runs is a, a a very good defense to run right now the way that college football is. You know, it just gives you so much versatility, um, you know, different sorts of coverages, um, different sorts of fits. I mean, it's just a very versatile defense that can be very complicated. But as we've seen over the last two years, once guys understand what they're doing, it just works really well because it's the same defense that Bama runs and the, the Patriots run. I mean, it's called like the, the Saban Belichick defense, typically something like that it depends on where you look. Um, and so, I mean, it is really the defense that you do want to run. And and like I said, it went well, um, you know, they, they were fifth in the Pac-12 in yards allowed per game, uh, fifth in points per game. Um, that Texas game really didn't help either of those numbers. But they were also number one in completion percentage, number one in opponent pass rating, number three in sacks. Um, and that's with both the teams in front of them having played more games. That's not sacks per game. Uh, you look at what Carson Wells did um, taking a huge step forward this year. And I'm not sure. Maybe Carl says, well, that was mostly Carson and it wasn't the scheme. To me, it looked like Carson was put in the right position more often than not. Um, You know, this is something we even talked about as recently as, like, maybe even last week. The way that Carson Wells was used was just perfect. You remember Carson Wells making plays in the passing game, but what you don't remember is that he only dropped back into coverage, like, 20% of the time. No, more than that. But, But, see, the thing is, is that when you have a guy like Carson Wells, who's a really good pass rusher, It seems almost counterintuitive, but if you rush him every single time, then you wind up kind of wasting him because they just assign defenders over there. And and if he's playing well, they double him over there. But if they send a double team and you drop him off into coverage, well, then all of a sudden you've increased your coverage numbers by one and they've reduced their blocking numbers by two. So it's the same effect as if those two had blocked Carson um, and he hadn't been able to get through or anything like that. But also, Carson's in coverage because they're just standing there. So, so it's those sorts of things, understanding players like Carson Wells who can get to the edge, figuring out what percentage of the time you rush him, how often you drop him back just to keep the the, the offense honest, all those sorts of things that I thought just overall in general, went pretty well for the buffs this year. Um i I really didn't think that there were many like schematic problems that were limiting things. It seemed like everybody knew what they were doing. I thought the play calling was good. And I thought, in general, the results were good. And again, you can point to that Texas game or even the second half of that Utah game without Nate Lamb and say, we need to be better there. And, you know, you're not wrong. You would not be wrong at all. You do need to be better if you're going to be competing for Pac-12 titles, for college football playoff appearances, like Carl said. And what he said after the game is that we need to get better. We are still a ways off, and maybe this is part of the thinking, is that you just need to have a higher caliber defensive coordinator to be able to get those things done. Y- again, I- I'm not a huge fan of this move. I-, I I did like what Tyson was doing, and I thought that the-, the progression over the course of the last two years was a very positive sign. It was growth that I thought you continue to see and again that growth was stunted right at the very end and there is that big tail but Nate Landman's gone you're playing Texas instead of these Pac-12 teams I don't know it's it's um it's a tough decision and maybe that's why we we didn't find out about the decision until right now what or why Carl didn't make the decision until right now instead of a few weeks ago um but it's not what I expected to see today. You know, if you had said, like, Tyson Summers gets offered a, uh, an FCS head coaching job, I would have been like, yeah, that's more likely than him getting fired from this Power 5 defensive coordinator job. Um, and, again, I, I don't see everything. I know that, like, when he talks to the media, he's a great guy, lots of good jokes. It's a lot of fun. Um Maybe he isn't well-liked. And again, this is speculation that I feel I'm not just going like, to throw out there. But but you know the sorts of behind-the-scenes that could happen. There's no reason to think any of them are real other than the fact that he isn't the coach. And again, the the Buffalo defense has been trending in the right direction. It was one of the best passing defenses in the country, which again just does not feel right considering what we saw. It still seemed like they could have done better. Um or could do better in the future because of the youth, because there really weren't too many mistakes. Um, sorry, this has been kind of rambly. But but those are kind of my big points here, is that, you know, Tyson Summers, if, if I were going to grade him, I would give him a solid B or probably even better, B-plus, um, for what he did this season with this defense. Um, you can't. You can't be too upset with a guy like Carl Durrell having high standards, though, and saying that Tyson Summers doesn't live up to those standards, as long as you can find somebody who actually does live up to those standards. And that's what we're going to talk about next, because there was another report that I want to talk about. Um, and then I kind of want to just talk about, like, in a broad sense, what to expect from where this coaching search is going. But first, Breckenridge Brewery makes incredible beers. Um, They're the official beer of DNVR. uh, So that means that a whole bunch of things that we do, including this podcast, is made possible by the good people over at Breckenridge Brewery. And so by supporting them, you are supporting us at DNVR and um, my ability to have emergency podcasts like this on a Tuesday morning. Um... Not only do I want to guilt you into buying Breckenridge beers, but also they're very good. Um, the The Strawberry Sky is my favorite. The Avalanche Amber Ale is just, like, a classic... Um, I don't know what to call it. Like, is that a lager? I, I shouldn't... See, that's that's my thing, is I really can't get too into the weeds. Otherwise, I just sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. But I do know what I'm talking about. Because I've had a lot of all of these beers. And I have truly enjoyed every single one. And I don't have, like, the the most depth to my beer palette. I typically just like something that I can put in me and get a little bit buzzed before a football game. What I've learned though, is that real adult beer that isn't like, you know, the, the natty light or the, that sort of stuff can, can also be like good to just drink and, and also taste good, uh, which is kind of a cool feature and something that I really appreciate about Breckenridge brewery. um, Let's see. I'm not going to be at the DMVR bar in the future. Let's see. I'll probably be at the DMVR bar either Wednesday or Friday for the Avs games and then Saturday for the Buffs game at noon. Um, So if you guys want to drink some Breckenridge beers, maybe I will see you there, especially Saturday. We'll talk more about Saturday later on in the week. Um, But big Buffs game. And like I said, we'll be at the DMVR bar. Um, So, yeah, there's a bunch of (laughs) thoughts on Breckenridge Brewery. Um... Also want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at MSU Denver online. Um, now is the time to apply and register for classes at MSU Denver online. Um, the spring semester starts January 19th. That is one week from today. So um, check it out. Go to MSU Denver.com slash online and see what they offer because there really is a whole lot of great stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's an online school and it's meant to be online. You know, they spent years building up to this point by trying things that worked and things that haven't worked. And now they've built kind of the the premier online school in the Rocky Mountain region. And so if, if you're somebody who's going to a school that's remote anyway, um, or if you're somebody who's locked in your house like the rest of us and you're kind of bored and you think, huh, why not learn about... <sighs> Like nights and stuff in a history class, you know, that that would be a fun thing to just learn about. Well, then maybe that's another option too. Or if you want to go back to school to get a degree, to change career fields, or to advance yourself in your career field. So many different reasons you could be interested in going to school. Um, and MSU Denver online just makes it so easy with great information. We've actually had a couple of our very own staff members here at DMVR take classes at MSU Denver online, and they've said that the professors are extremely responsive and they care about you and all that sort of stuff. It's convenient, it's meant for people who work jobs. Um, I think the the students at MSU Denver online actually work double the hours while taking classes as any other school in Colorado. Um, it's It just means that everything is built for you to be able to continue the rest of your life instead of putting everything on hold to go to school. It's super convenient. Like I said, uh, you can go to msu slash online for more information on the 40-plus online and hybrid programs that can get you a degree. Um, and again, one week until classes start. So now is the time to pull the trigger and make it happen. Okay. So, um... That first little bit, we talked about me being very shocked by what's going on today. And this next part, I'm gonna to try to pull it together a bit and think about what is going to happen going forward. Now, like I said, the the timeline here is a little bit weird for them to have waited three weeks to make this move, you know, at the same time. They did fire uh Drew Wilson, the strength coach, just last week. Um and so, who knows? Maybe Carl did just want to, like, take a little time off, get through the holidays, think through some things, and then figure out where to go. And, you know, knowing Carl, if that's how he approaches the off season, that would not be a huge surprise that he isn't just, like, trying to get everything done in the first 12 hours. Um, whatever the case, Tyson Summers firing does line up with a couple of pretty big events Um, That are going on in the football world first of all in case you guys hadn't heard the national championship Was last night which means that all of the assistant coaches who were coaching for one of the national championship teams of Alabama or Ohio State Could be now looking for a a promotion whether that's at home or by going somewhere else like Colorado So that is one thing to think about, especially when we remember that Colorado basically runs the same defense that Alabama does with pretty much everybody coming back. You know, in my opinion, not not a great time for a total like overhaul of what you're doing defensively, changing terminology, all of that, um, because you're really who who are you losing? I guess potentially Nate, depending on what's up with the injury and how long it takes him to recover. He made Be able to start the season? He may not. Who knows? Um, But I think that that is it. I I mean, like, Jason Harris is transferring. um, Yeah. So so to me, I wouldn't love just going in and saying, okay, you guys have just spent two years learning this language and how all these pieces work and what you're watching for and all that kind of stuff just to pull the rug out from under them when it does feel like you're kind of primed for – what should be your best football of this little era, this Nate Landman era um, with, with those other guys who have been a part of this defense in similar ways. Um, Again, if you bring in somebody from Bama, somebody who you now could be talking to, um, that is one way to avoid that at the same time. That really would surprise me because before coming to Boulder, Carl Durrell had spent 11 of the previous 12 years coaching in the NFL. That means all of his connections, for the most part, are in the NFL. And that brings us to the second event that is happening in the football world. And that was last weekend, the Super Wild Card Weekend, or whatever the NFL was calling it, because there's now three wild card games on Saturday and three on Sunday instead of two and two. Um, That means that there's now six teams who just got knocked out of the playoffs and their season ended. They're in the same boat that all these other assistant coaches are Where You know what? If you're a linebackers coach, you're a safeties coach. You're probably looking around, seeing if anybody wants you to be their defensive coordinator. And and if they do, is it a, a big drop off in terms of the level of competition, all that kind of stuff, or is this actually like a, a real big promotion? again, Carl has connections. Um, I don't know like who in particular the, that he would be after, but the six teams that lost Colts, Seahawks, uh, Washington Titans, bears, Steelers. I don't think he's been any of those places recently, but obviously the way that NFL coaching works, everybody is bouncing around everywhere. And so one of those guys, somebody might be on one of those staffs who was just with him with the dolphins last year. Um, And so that's really the other place that I'm keeping an eye is on those teams who just became available because, because again, the weird thing here is that Tyson Summers wasn't let go a little bit earlier, or at least that surprises me. Um, Could Carl have sent out some feelers and said like, Hey buddy, who whose defense did a great job holding the Ravens to 20. um, But what wasn't enough to uh, get on to next rounds?" like, Hey, You interested in this job? Oh, you are? Well, let's see if we can get something done. And maybe that was the conversation yesterday, and today was the day that it was time to tell Tyson Summers that he wasn't the man in Boulder anymore. Um, Whatever the case, I do think that coaching transitions, like within the staff, is an area where I do expect Carl Durrell to have success. Um, you know, the recruiting, that's a question. I think a lot of recruiting comes with winning. Um, I also think a lot of recruiting comes with location and Colorado hasn't done a whole lot of either, but the wins started to pile up this year and people could believe in Carl and that's going to make it really a a lot easier to recruit at the same time though. You got to see him start to bring in some, some talent that is, is seen as, you know, a little bit higher caliber than this current class you know not a lot of four stars um, so while that has been pointed to as a strength the, or, or a weakness the recruiting I think this coaching staff and this is something I've said before on this podcast is an area where that should be a strength because of all the connections um, his ability to kind of take his pick of the young coaches and give them good opportunities because he does have a reputation of, you know, being a guy who cares about his coaches and wants to put them in positions to succeed and that sort of thing. He isn't really thinking like, what's best for me. It's more thinking like, well, actually what's best for me is if I can get all of my assistant coaches onto better jobs. And so other assistant coaches want to come in here so that they will also move on. And it becomes this like factory, like this farm for coaches. And Carl Durrell certainly has the connections to get that done. You know, we've already seen like, you know, they'll bring in some bets like Chris Wilson, who won a Super Bowl with the Eagles as the defensive line coach um, and has done a whole bunch of other really impressive things during his career as well. But also younger guys like Taylor Embry, who I see is certainly one of the up and comers, not like a guy who's within two, three years of a head coaching job, but maybe a guy who's within a few years of getting a pretty big NFL job that he could build into maybe a coordinator job into a um, maybe a head coaching job from there. Um, And I do think that those are the types of guys because of the connections to, you know, he gave Kyle Shanahan his first job and a whole bunch of these young coaches. He's been really plugged into because they run that West coast system. And that means they hit all the same stops and they have all the same friends because their friends have all worked together. And, you should be able to see Carl Durrell build a really impressive coaching staff um, and that develop into a coaching tree. Maybe in a way that a, a first-time head coach, somebody who hasn't been around quite as long like Mel Tucker, may not have been able to because, sure, he definitely did know some people and he had like, a good reputation. It just isn't the same as proving it and building relationships over the course of 20 to 25 years that Carl Durrell has done and now has that under his belt. So, I do expect good things to come from this. I do think that this should be one of the strengths of Carl. um, And we'll see how it goes. Um, This will be one of, like, the first indicators of whether I've been right. You know, there are definitely some things that you can point to like, you know, Taylor Embry, like I said, like that's a good get. That's somebody who you should be giving an opportunity to. And I think we've, have we seen it pay off? Maybe not. It was such a big first game from Brady Russell, but then he got hurt and there's wasn't a whole lot of talent there, but yeah. So if this position gets filled by somebody who is good, Again, very good sign. If it isn't, then it's a bad sign. You know, again, my take for quite a while now is that this is the value of Carl Durrell, is building these coaching staffs. Um, and now we're just in wait-and-see mode. And hopefully it's somebody who's exciting right off the bat. And even if it isn't, then maybe it's somebody who's just good at their job. Um, we, did, we have gotten one name in this whole search And it isn't, like, a a huge, like, breaking piece of news or anything like that. Um, But it is a place to start this search. And we're going to get into that after we talk about Green Mountain Dental Group, our old friends and former presenting sponsors. Um, Green Mountain Dental does great work. They'll keep your teeth in Tip-top shape. They're conveniently located just 15 minutes away from downtown Denver in Lakewood, Colorado. Um, So much to like. So much to like. Uh, They're family-owned. Did I say Colorado sports fans already? That's an important point. If I did say it, then it's worth it to say it again. Um, But, I mean, just, again, great work, great reviews. A bunch of people of DMVR have gone out there. DMVR listeners have made that their permanent dentist. Um, And the best part is... If you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam at Green Mountain Dental Group, they will give you a free Sonicare toothbrush. It's a great deal. Again, it's just 15 minutes away from downtown Denver in Lakewood. Um, Get out there because they do really great work. All right. So, um, we got just a little bit of a scoop from... Oh, wow. So many tweets since we started this podcast. There it is. Uh, from Bruce Feldman, who said, Hearing that Colorado defensive line coach Chris Wilson is viewed as a strong internal candidate to become the Buffs defensive coordinator, the 52-year-old Wilson has defensive coordinating experience from his days at Mississippi State. So, you know, I I haven't spent a lot of time watching Chris Wilson's um, Mississippi State defenses from back in the day, but I do think that Chris Wilson would be a decent choice as a defensive coordinator. I think that there's um, there's there's a lot to like, including his his fingerprints that are already all over this defense. Like, obviously, the the defensive line was very good. You saw Janaz Jordan take a big step forward. Um, you saw Mustafa and Jalen and Terrence and those guys also, you know, put together some of their best work in their time in Boulder. But there was a much bigger change. There was all Chris Wilson, and that was the switch to a one-gap technique. Um, the one-gap essentially means that everybody just is assigned a gap, and that's how you stop the run. Um, if, if you're Jalen Sami right in the middle, you're either assigned the gap to the right or to the left of the center, and your job is to not let anybody through there, and typically the best way to do it is to get through there first, get in the backfield, and make a play. It turns into a much more aggressive style of defense than if you're telling people, okay, clog up these running lanes up front, let the linebackers fly around and go make a play. That's what the buffs have been doing. Now they switch to the one gap for the season and you saw how much penetration it created. Um, this was a, a, a new level for that front seven of the buffs, you know, with guys like Carson Wells leading the nation in tackles for loss per game. Um, when you have that and you have Nate Landman, who's also like way up on that list. And then you remember just how productive everybody inside is. You start to get this full picture of how dominant that front seven was for the most part. You know, there are a couple of little glimpses here or there. You know, the Utah game when linebackers weren't taking care of their gap. And all of a sudden, you're just giving Ty Jordan a massive running lane, not something you can ever do. Um, so there were some flaws, and that is the flaws. that If you blow an assignment, you're kind of you're out to dry. Um, but it did work. And that's something that Chris, who, like I said earlier, coached the defensive line of the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl a few years ago. That group with Fletcher Cox and uh, let's see who else is there: Chris Long and uh, I think like Timmy Jern again. I thought they had one more really good guy. But the point is, he ran that same scheme there, won him a Super Bowl. Um, Chris Wilson certainly um, could be a very good defensive coordinator. And again, I'm not in the meeting room, so I don't know how big the difference between him and Tyson Summers is. Would you have been happier holding on to Tyson Summers, keeping Chris Wilson in his position and saying, you know what, we're going to work together a little bit. We're going to keep throwing ideas out and Tyson's going to pick the best ones and run with them. I don't know. It, It seems like at this point that might not have been a bad decision, but who knows, maybe letting Chris take... Even more control could be a good thing because he is a very established coach. You know, we talked about him being the defensive line coach there, um, but his resume is a very strong one. Um, Been with the Cardinals, been the defensive line coach at USC at Georgia at uh, Oklahoma, at Colorado before this, uh, Illinois State, maybe not all that impressive, um, but traveled all around, around, coached some of the best defensive linemen in the country at every one of those stops. Like, USC is always going to have talent there. Georgia's always going to have talent there. Um, He was also the defensive coordinator um, for two years at Mississippi State, plus one year before that, he was the co-defensive coordinator. Um, He has... A, a, a very long and successful track record. And you know what? If if that's kind of your safety option is promoting Chris Wilson, you're really not in a bad place. And, and that does set the stage for forcing a candidate to blow your socks off for him to get the job over a guy like Chris Wilson. Now, hopefully that's what happens. Hopefully you get some... I don't I don't know. I wasn't looking at defensive coordinator candidates. I need to go back and do a whole lot more research, which is the plan for after this. Um, but, you know, this is kind of where we're at right now. Tyson Summers out. Chris Wilson is the in-house favorite. Makes you think that if it is somebody who's currently within the program, it will be Chris. Um, yeah. I think that that probably makes sense. Because the other coaches, you got Brian Michalowski back there, Brett Maxey, Demetrius Martin. Chris Wilson is probably the the safest option out of all of those. Um, And now they're going to run around and see if they can talk to a couple of the guys from Bama, talk to a couple of the guys um, from the NFL, and just see what their options are like would be my guess. But who knows? Maybe they have something up their sleeve. Maybe they have a little bit more of a plan um, than I'm giving him credit for. And uh, if that's the case, then we might be getting some big news here pretty soon. Um, I think that's going to do it for this quick emergency podcast, just to share all my thoughts on what's going down. And once we know enough more to fill another podcast, I'll be back with that podcast. Um, we're also going to get Ben on to talk about the game last night here pretty soon. Maybe even that's today. Um, I'm not sure. All I knew is I needed to get this done. And I'm really excited to scroll through Twitter and see if we've learned anything new um appreciate everybody for listening i'll be back soon
0: i think they like my colorado sway cuz when no men they play i don't really i don't really know just how to act and when no men go you know i'm acting bad holy ghetto books with my colorado sway my colorado sway my colorado sway i think they like i think they like my colorado sway My Colorado swag yeah. is pushing 180 80. Speed and competition. see you later, baby. baby Colorado yeah. Army with soldiers like the Navy yeah. And boat is where we stationed, patiently awaiting Boy. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave too afraid, Cause you know we finna uh-huh. hit ya, hit ya, hit ya. Hey, hey. You on your own now Why you watching the official You just better hope you make it to the next whistle God. And when you playin' with ya You can get it anytime We yeah. start at the scrimmage We gon' win it at the line Chuk. My Colorado swag in the middle of the ring Knocking down team at the I team. think they like my Colorado Sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really notice how to act. And when I'm in minute go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly, get a bus with my Colorado Sway. My Colorado Sway. My Colorado Sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado Sway. My Colorado Sway. My Colorado Sway. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado Sway. Have you ever? Get them bucks, get them bust, mess them up, we say we got em. If we don't, then we'll get them when we see them, then we add they like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in it play, I don't, really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly, get them bust when my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway, my color.